These omens don't bode well, Mother. Mankind may be facing its darkest hour. Then mankind will have to face it alone. How can you say that? Whatever happens beyond these shores is not our concern. Princess of the Amazons. These beasts <coughs> invade our home <coughs> and defile it with their presence. <coughs> Enjoy your trip back to hell. Wonder Woman, Princess of the Amazons. This is episode four. My name is Andrew Pinkham. So glad to be along with you on this fine Thursday or Friday or Saturday or Sunday. It depends on when you are listening to this show. I'm flying solo on this podcast as it was originally intended to be before uh, Mr. Danny Saab decided to grace us with his presence, talking about the New 52 and Rebirth. So, no Danny, but we're going to have a great time talking about Wonder Woman tonight, uh, specifically the George Perez run, as we are continuing our coverage of the post-crisis Wonder Woman. But before we get to the review, I wanted to talk a little bit of podcast news and some Wonder Woman news in general. Um, But before I do that, I just wanted to issue everybody an apology. This episode is coming out a little bit late, as I I, uh, jokingly made in uh, just a short little intro that I had. Uh, Just some stuff was preventing me from putting this out, so uh, this episode will drop at the time of recording on Sunday evening. So, my apologies for not getting it out on Friday. Um, Completely my fault. So, um, but let's get into some podcast news. Um, So, we on this podcast endeavor to cover every Wonder Woman comic, um, much like From Crisis to Crisis does with Superman. Uh, we start with her first post-crisis appearance, number one in 1987, as well as covering all of her appearances in the New 52 and Rebirth. Well, that was a little bit more of a daunting task than I had originally anticipated. I sincerely underestimated how many books for the New 52 and Rebirth that she was going to appear in. So, what's going to happen is we will get to the New 52 when we, when we get there. It's going to be a long haul before we get to the New 52. But, um, I mean, there were some months that were going to be 9 or 10 books that Danny and I were covering. And that's like a 5 or 6 hour show that I would have to split up into several different parts. And that's not fair to you guys, the listeners. So, um, moving forward, we're... Danny and I are just going to be covering the rebirth stuff once a month, and um, that's what we're that's what we're going to be covering. So uh, moving forward, that's what we're going to be doing. So, uh, but let's get into some actual Wonder Woman news. Uh, according to Forbes magazine, uh, this past week, where I pulled this article from, Wonder Woman now has eclipsed over five hundred and seventy million dollars worldwide. 
it will hopefully pass uh, Logan this next week, which would bring it to fifth on the list, which would be a total of $615 million. Um, it's behind Pirates, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Fate of the Furious, as well as Beauty and the Beast being the top ranker at $1.2 billion. So Wonder Woman has a lot more to go before she uh, she can eclipse that elusive Beauty and the Beast number of $1.25 billion. If she makes $1.25 billion, which I don't see as a remote possibility, um, that would be an amazing feat in and of itself. People would have to be reflocking to the movie theater um, in the in the coming weeks for that to even happen. But um, five hundred and seventy million dollars—that's a pretty solid number. Um, I'll probably she'll probably move into that f that fifth spot on the list. I have no doubt in my mind. I'm, people love this movie. I mean, even even our good friend Danny has gone back to the movie theater to see it again, and probably a third time too. So, um, but that's all the the really the movie news I had. Uh, some comic news um, coming out on the fifth of July is the Wonder Woman, the Golden Age Omnibus Volume Two, which collects uh, comics cavalcade number 6 through 13 and Sensation Comics 25 through 48 as well as Wonder Woman 815 uh, the price of that is 75 bucks um, that's quite the, <laughs> the hefty the hefty price tag but I mean there there's a lot of issues in there it looks like oh let's see 6 times it's almost 25 so that's 30 40 something issues almost close to 50 something issues so I mean that's a that's quite the that's quite the collection for for an actual omnibus um, so pick those up if uh, if you want to be reading her golden age stories um, Wonder Woman volume 2 by Greg Rucka uh, which collects uh, number 206 through 217 uh, the price is 299 that's also been is coming out on the 5th so I'll be on the lookout for that and pick that up if uh, you want to be reading some Greg Rucka Wonder Woman also coming out on the 12th of the month of uh, the month in July uh, we got Justice League volume T uh, volume 3 excuse me not T um, subtitled timeless it collects Justice League number 14 through the 19 only five issues and you're looking at spending $16.99. Man, these prices. Not what they used to be. But, of course, DC Comics prints to the trade now. I mean, that's just what they do. So, um... And, as well, on released on the 12th is Justice League Rebirth Deluxe Edition Book 1. It collects Justice League Rebirth one-shots. As well as Justice League Rebirth 1 through 11. Um, and that price is $34.00. So, uh, be on the lookout for all those coming in in the month of July. Um, I'm probably going to pick up the Justice League uh, Rebirth Collection. Um, it may be cheaper than buying them digitally. I'm not sure, or I might buy the trade paperback digitally if that's if that becomes available on DC Comics app. So, um, but that's pretty much all the news I had for this episode. A very short. Um, 
introduction to say the least. We're going to take a quick break, ladies and gentlemen, play a promo, and um, we will be right back. Stay tuned. It was 1941, and a war was raging in Europe that would spread destruction and death across the world. Superheroes like Superman, Batman, and Captain Marvel were on the rise at newsstands everywhere. But one hero was about to debut that would change the world of comics. Forever. Amazon. Goddess. Warrior. Hero. Wonder Woman, one of the most well-known and beloved comic heroes to ever grace the medium. Hello, I am J. David Weeder. Join me as I explore the comic book adventures of the amazing Amazon throughout her 75-plus years of history on the Sensational Adventures of Wonder Woman podcast. You can find the show on iTunes or at wonderwoman.supermanforever.com. The Sensational Adventures of Wonder Woman. And welcome back, everybody. So, Wonder Woman number three titled Deadly Arrival, published April of 1987. The credits on this are as such. George Perez is the writer and penciler. Bruce Patterson is the inker. John Costanza is the letterer. Tatjana Wood is the colorist. Karen Ber- and Karen Berger is the editor. Uh, the synopsis, courtesy of our good friends over at AmazonArchives.com, uh, reads as such. High above the city of Boston, Hermes and Diana fly across the sky. The Amazon princess wonders how man can build such a lovely metropolis and yet be capable of such wanton destruction. Hermes tells her that she should not judge man too harshly as he has lost his way upon the earth and that makes him afraid because he can feel the grip of Ares closing about his throat in a death grip. He adds this this is why he has brought Diana here in order to put an end to Ares' madness. Meanwhile, at the Hanscom Air Force Base Hospital, General Hillary and Etta Candy burst into the ward. The general demands to see Steve Trevor, and as they are led to his bedside, the doctor explains that the night nurse had found Trevor in one of the beds, with no idea how he had gotten there. He had obviously been in some sort of accident, but his wounds were already healing. He has been under armed guard ever since. As they reach the room where Trevor rests, they find General Tolliver waiting outside. Tolliver explains that Trevor is under arrest for not only returning without the Phantom Jet he allegedly commandeered, but he is also wanted for questioning regarding the brutal murder of General Kohler. Etta steps forward and tells Tolliver that Colonel Trevor was ordered to fly the plane by Kohler himself. Tolliver replies that there are no records of that, and as soon as Trevor regains consciousness, he will be questioned. Elsewhere, at Harvard University... Hermes and Diana arrive at their destination. Hermes explains that here the Amazon will meet one of the one who will become her mentor and guide through man's world. Diana will also fi- finally learn the secrets of Mad Harmonious Talisman. Hermes then removes it from the top of his staff and hands the glowing talisman t- to Diana. He tells her that he cannot aid her further, but she has his blessings. She must go now and take with her the hopes of the gods themselves for the fate of the gods and men alike now rests upon her efforts. With that, he fades from view. Across campus in the library, Professor Julia Capitellis stands on the ladder inspecting a book she has just removed from the top shelf. 
She attempts to reach across for another, but loses her balance and topples from the ladder. But before she hits the ground, she finds herself in the arms of Diana. Once safely on the ground again, Julia thanks her and sees her costume, asking if she has something to do with the Founders' Day celebration. For her part, Diana asks if Julia is alright, as both she and the world have need of her services. But Julia cannot understand Diana's language, which sounds to her like some sort of gibberish mixed with ancient Greek. She asks Diana to speak slower, as she cannot understand her. Frustrated, the Amazon princess wonders how she can make herself understood, and suddenly has a thought. She reaches for the talisman tucked into her belt and shows it to Julia. Fascinated, the professor wonders how such an obvious, obviously ancient amulet can gleam as if new. As Diana turns her hand to show the side view, it disappears from view, as if it exists only on one plane of reality. Julia realizes that whatever the amulet is, it is not of Earth, and yet it is so beautiful, so compelling. She reaches out to touch it, and as her fingers brushed the burnished metal, Julia's world suddenly explodes into fire and fantasy. Images flash through her mind, images of churning seas and magnificent warrior women, of whispered voices and a golden kiss. And yet, despite the turmoil, there is hope and a sense of belonging. And one more thing, a stirring pride of purpose unlike anything she has felt before. Then in a wink, it is gone and she can see Diana's concerned face staring back at her. She finds herself lying on the floor, her head spinning and yet feeling so clear as if some hidden door has been opened in her mind. Diana asks her if Julia can understand her now and if she can help Diana. Getting to her feet, Julia replies that although she does not know who Diana is, she does know she had better find out. Diana still cannot understand the professor's words, but her meaning is clear. She intends to help Diana, just as Hermes foretold. Julia places her hand on Diana's shoulders, and in a very rusty Greek, tells her that they are going to work together, that she should know her name. The Amazon smiles and replies, please call me Diana. Meanwhile, Phobos watches the two women through his earthen pool of omniscience, and is displeased by what he sees. He thinks to himself that his wily brother Demos would take time to plan before he struck, but Phobos had no need for such amities. He will strike while the moment is hot and then accepts the praise of his father Ares for taking such initiative. He proceeds to walk into another chamber where the giant beating heart of the Gorgon resides. He removes a mass of blood from it and blowing on it forms a statuette. Elsewhere in a secluded lodge in the middle of the woods, an audience, which includes General Tolliver, watches mesmerized as Demos addresses them. He tells them the moment to strike is upon them, tells them the moment to strike is upon them if they are to save the country they love. Back in Boston, Diana is experiencing the delights of driving home during rush hour. As she covers her ears to block out the dim of honking horns, Julia assures her new friend she will get used to it. Later that night at Handsome Air Base, Tolliver is questioning the, the now-conscious Trevor. Steve tells the general again that he cannot remember anything after the plane went down. The general orders him to try harder, and Steve replies that he does, he does see random images of being attacked by his co-pilot, then spotting some uncharted island, and strangest of all, being carried in the arms of the most beautiful woman he has ever seen. Tolliver tells Steve it is all delusion. And with Kohler dead, no one can ever prove it. 
However, they cannot take the, the chance. Steve asks him what he means by that as a nurse steps forward with a syringe. But before she can insert it into his arm, Steve decks her, yelling that he has seen her fill the syringe with air and that he has no intention of dying from an, an induced embolism. However, Tolliver punches Trevor and tells him that he will die and they have come too far to permit him to interfere with their master plan. The two men grapple and Steve manages to throw the general across the room. Hearing the commotion, the guard outside bursts into the room. Before, before he can react, Steve knocks him out of the way. He then races down the corridor towards the exit. As the guard attempts to raise the alarm, though he is, he is gunned down by Tolliver. At the same moment in Beacon Hill, the home of Professor Julia Capitillus, Vanessa, her daughter, answers the door to a delivery man. She muses to herself, it seems a little late in the day to get a delivery, but nonetheless takes the package inside. Although it is addressed to her mother, who has yet to arrive, she decides to open it anyway. She removes the wrapping paper to reveal the statuette that Phobos had created. From Vanessa's point of view, though, it is still just a very ugly doll. She no doubt her mom will love it. Across town, at the apartment of Etta Candy, the lieutenant listens in shock as one of Steve Trevor's best friends tell her what just happened. Colonel Michaelis explains that Steve is on the run, having been accused of murdering a guard during his escape. Michaelis assures her that he will do everything he can to help her, and hangs up. Etta cannot believe Steve would do such a thing, as he is the most honest man she has ever known. As she steps into, into her bedroom, a hand suddenly reaches out from behind the curtain and covers her mouth. She, she turns to see Steve, begging her not to scream. He tells her not to believe a word she has heard about him. People are trying to kill him and get him out of the way, and he needs her help to find out why. Across the other side of the world in Moscow, another entranced audience listens to Demos as he gives them exactly the same speech about protecting their country and that the time to take action is upon them. Back in Beacon Hills, and Julia and Diana finally arrive home. Julia unlocks the front door as Diana carries a pile of books inside. Julia tells Diana that these things should help them research the amulet. She still cannot believe that the young woman can carry such a huge pile of books so easily. She must work out. Julia calls out to her daughter upstairs, Nessie, who replies that she will be right down. Julia tells Diana that she thinks the Amazon will like her daughter as they are very much alike, headstrong and fiercely independent. As Vanessa comes down the stairs, she says, Hi, love your costume. Part of the Founder's Day celebration, huh? <laughs> Diana, for her, Diana, for her part, smiles back and thinks to herself she has never seen another, another woman quite like her. So young, so vulnerable, and so beautiful. Julia tells her daughter that Diana will be staying with them for a while. A less than enthused Vanessa asks how long is a little while. Her mother replies that Diana does not speak any English, and she has to tutor her before they can actually get down to business. Vanessa storms back upstairs, murmuring, Gee, thanks a lot. And Julia apologizes to Diana for her daughter's behavior. She explains that Vanessa is not usually like that, but she has been so busy working recently that she has paid her daughter so little attention. Upstairs, Vanessa has shut her bedroom door and is talking on the phone to her boyfriend. She says that he cannot come over to study together tonight as she has a sick aunt visiting. In truth, she does not want her boyfriend to meet a fox like Diana. 
A few hours pass, and midnight falls in the Capitella's home. Julia and Diana are in the study, and the professor marvels at the speed that her new student consumes her first lessons, absorbing in mere minutes the rudimentaries of English. Vanessa is asleep on the couch, having completely forgotten about the grotesque statue that sits on the mantelpiece, a statue whose cold eyes now begin to glow. Suddenly, Julia and Diana hear Vanessa scream, and as they rush downstairs, they give way as if rotten. Diana grabs Julia and leaps down into the living room, which is in total disarray. Before them stands Decay, who towers over a terrified Vanessa, who has aged considerably as a result of the creature's touch. Diana warns Julia not to approach, and Decay says that she would be wise to listen, and it is the Amazon she has come for. She tells Diana to step forward to feel her fatal touch, and when the Amazon princess refuses, Decay unleashes her demon's breath blast into the ceiling above where Julia and Diana stand, causing the room to collapse on top of them. And that's where the issue ends. Wow, uh, that was quite the synopsis from AmazonArchives.com. <laughs> uh, there are some sentences that make sense with Amazon. I guess I'll have to proofread it next time I uh, pull something from them. But um, anyway, um, I have a few notes on this issue before I get to my overall thoughts of it. Um, page one, I find it very interesting that they traveled to Boston, Massachusetts instead of Washington, D.C. Um, considering for all the other Wonder Woman comics I've read, Washington, D.C. is the focal point where most of Diana's story takes place, whether it be the New 52 or other Wonder Woman stuff that I've read. Um, page three... I love how General Hillary just storms in looking for Trevor like he owns the place. Um, I get that he's a general, but, I mean, come on. So, um, I find it, I also find it extremely interesting that Diana just drops him at the hospital and leaves. Um, very much reminiscent of her Golden Age origin. Um, it's been a coon's age since I've read that origin story. So, um, that, and from listening to other podcasts... Like um, my good friend Matthew over at uh, Radio Free Themyscira and listening to Angela over at Wonder Woman Warrior for Peace. Um, both who do great podcasts. You should check those podcasts out. Um, they talk about her origin and how she just drops Steve Trevor and, and goes about her business. Um, page four, I really like Edda standing up for Steve. Uh, you can definitely tell there's a relationship between Edda and Steve. Um, although we're not sure what that is yet. Um, I love how the fact that they jump immediately to conclusions thinking Steve is guilty. Um, of course he doesn't, he doesn't come back with the plane, so, I mean, so there, there's that, but, I mean, you'd think it'd be guilty or innocent until proven guilty, not guilty until proven innocent, <laughs> but that's our justice system for you. Um, I really love Hermes and, and Diana. Um, and when Hermes can go no further, I really like the fact that he, he, he gives the gods, or he gives Diana the gods' well wishes. I really, really like that. Uh, page six, I love the look on the professor's face when Diana catch, catches her from her fall. Um, Julia's face is absolutely priceless. Like, who in the world is this woman? Um, I find the language barrier between 
Julia and Diana to be really, really cool. Um, I never would have thought that Diana would have had any kind of language barrier, but um, I really, really liked it. Um, page 8, uh, when Professor Julia touches the amulet, um, this, this specific page was absolutely, without a doubt, brilliantly illustrated by Mr. Perez. Um, I can't say enough about the art in this issue, and we'll get to that in just a couple minutes. But um, just a, a really great page. Love the art, and I love the moment. Um, in page nine, I love the bond that, that Juliet and Diana share almost instantly. Um, just a really great scene between those two. Uh, the scene between Philos and Demos is a little weird. Um, so, yeah, it was, and we knew something was going to happen with a Gorgon, uh, but we weren't sure what. It's just a really weird scene. Um, kind of confused me a little, but but that's all right. Uh, page 12, I can only guess that this is Demos speaking to his underlings. It doesn't directly say that it was him. Um, of course, the synopsis kind of clears that, clears that up for me. And I find it very interesting that, that uh, Colonel, or not, not Colonel, but General Hillary is under, under the thrall of Demos. So, um, I also love that Diana can't stand the sound of traffic. Uh, really, really a funny moment. And I love Julia's comment about the no traffic thing, where, where she comes from. Um, page 13, I love how Steve is perceptive to the General's plot of trying to kill him. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't have guessed that the, there was air that that nurse was filling it with. So, um, just a really, really great moment there. Uh, and I love the fight between uh, Hillary and Trevor on page 14. And I love their banter. And in the moment where Steve kicks the dude in the face with a metal water pitcher, I swear, Steve Trevor must have toes of steel or something. But my word, ouch. Um, page 16, I don't know if it's just me, but there is something, it, it, it seems like to me there's more than something that just friendship going on between Etta and Trevor. I think Etta might have a little bit of crush on Steve, um, but we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see how that relationship develops, because I am not sure, because like you guys, I'm, I'm reading right along with you and taking notes, so it's... This, this George Perez run, I have very few... I have a little bit of experience with it. I've read a lot of the later on issues, but not any of these early issues. So so I'm learning along right along with you, If or if you haven't read anything. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Uh, page 19, it appears that this is no mere statue, um, as we are... As we are led to believe, uh, especially when the, th the thing's eyes pop open, uh, kind of a creepy moment there. Uh, page 21, boy, that is one ugly monster. <laughs> the name Decay fits it for, for a creature so ugly. And my last note on page 22 is, boy, what a cliffhanger. Um, I did not expect this issue to end on such a cliffhanger. It was a really great issue overall. Um, I absolutely loved it. George Perez did a knockout, bang-up job on the art. 
I can't say enough about the writing team. The writing is top-notch, as always. And like and like I, like I said last week and the week before, I mean, it's very rare to see a penciler and, an, and a writer all in one foul swoop. And I think George Perez just has done an amazing job with this one Roman run so far. So, um, probably my favorite scene with... Um, Professor Julia and Diana. I absolutely love that scene between the two when a- after Julia gets um, like mind whammied by the amulet and she kind of understands where Diana's coming from and is able to speak a little bit of her language. Just a really great moment. Probably my favorite in the, in the issue. So overall it was just an amazing issue. I really, really enjoyed it. So, um, but guys, uh, that's going to do it for my review and for this episode. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I know this was a little bit shorter episode than what we normally have. Um, when I fly solo on these books, it's going to be a little bit shorter because there's no one to bounce, uh, bounce stuff off of. So, um, and you guys can help out with that. If uh, you want these episodes to be longer, email in uh, podcast at gmail.com so we can read uh, your emails and stuff on the show and feedback and get your thoughts on these issues and get a little bit of a conversation going. Um, that's the best way to, to make these episodes a little bit longer instead of just uh, a little bit of news and a review and that will call it good. So, but... Um, until next week, guys, uh, where we're, where Danny and I, we're going to be talking Rebirth. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the DC Rebirth number one, Wonder Woman number one, uh, Wonder Woman Rebirth number one. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And thank you for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week. See you later.